0: Well, it's, uh, once again, it's a joy to be with you this morning. Again, my wife's not with me. Hopefully next week she will come. Um, so uh, I do have a picture of her in my wallet, I think. So uh, if you... <laughs> um, she does exist. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Cliff was mentioning earlier about, you know, when he and I and Tom and Mark II graduated from high school. And I know for the young folks, it's pretty hard to identify with people who have been around for so long, but there's a wonderful documentary uh, about that time frame. It's called The Flintstones. And um, you can uh, you can kind of get an idea of what it was like for us growing up uh, back in the day. So uh, so anyhow, well, just a little humor. With that, let me uh, pray for our time in God's word. Our Father, as we came this morning, we saw the, the deluge of rain and, uh, we thank you that in all of creation, we have things that can relate to you. And you've been pleased in the book of Isaiah to say, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, they do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Father, we ask that you would be pleased to do this today uh, for your son's sake, that we might honor your son and be more like your son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. With that, please turn to Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 10. And we'll be looking at verses 38 to 42. And in my opinion, this is a very, very important passage in the life of a Christian. Um, if we get this right, uh, it'll, it'll be a great blessing to us as the people of God to be uh, nurtured in God's word and nurtured uh, and, and, and be conformed more to the image of, of God's son. So with that, let me, let me read our passage this morning, Luke ten, thirty-eight to 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listening to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. And you saw the title of the sermon this morning, uh, A Lesson in Priorities, and uh, I would say uh, a more precise title would be A Life Lesson in in Priorities from Jesus. And we're going to look at this under three points this morning. The first will be Commendations for Martha, commendations for Martha. Second, corrections for Martha, corrections for Martha. And finally, commendations for Mary, commendations for Mary. So first, uh, commendations for Martha. We see this in verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. This is a wonderful thing. What she is doing here is, is exercising hospitality. Uh, a great gift, uh, the friendly reception and treatment of guests or strangers. And I will say that in your kindness, as I've been over here, I've come over here over many years. I think this is, I'm getting close to my 25th sermon here, I think, uh, over the course of my time here. But I've often been the recipient of your kind hospitality, or my wife when she's here. And um, it's, this is a, a great gift to the church. This is a, this is a, a great way of showing love not only to the brothers and sisters in the body, but also to strangers as well. And this is commendable, and, and Martha is to be commended here. Often Martha gets pitted against Mary, and, and um, I, I think it's probably a mistake. I think that we need to acknowledge the good act that Martha has done. We see in Scripture that um, hospitality is important to the body of Christ, in Romans twelve thirteen it says contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. In Hebrews thirteen two it says do not neglect to show hospitality to the strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Probably referring to Genesis nineteen and Lot. And all throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, we see this, this gift of hospitality, and it is a sweet gift. It is a sweet act whereby you. You bring somebody into your home and share what you have with them and, and uh, have a chance to have fellowship with believers or to, uh, to do good to strangers if, if they're not believers or, uh, uh, yeah, if they're not believers. So this is a commendable thing. And I think we should just put a period on that. <laughs> that she did a good thing here. And um, I, I would say that uh, sometimes hospitality in the church is really lacking. People come on the Sundays, and then they go home. That's it. That's the end of the story for hospitality sometimes. But I do want to commend you, because I know I've been a recipient of yours. I'm not trying to beat you up today. But I, it is something just to keep thinking about. I know for my wife and I, early on in our marriage when we were at Bowie, uh, it was not unusual for my wife to make something ahead of time and have it ready to go. So whoever was there, we could just say, hey, come on over to our house. you know, and um, And... I'm I'm grateful we did that. We haven't been able to do that much over the recent years. But people still talk about that. That's something that people are very mindful of. You know, particularly if it's the first time they're here and says, I remember the time you you had us over the first time we came to your church. I don't say that to commend myself because we're not doing too well with that right now. But it's a wonderful, wonderful gift to the body of Christ and to strangers. And... um, and in and, and particularly, it says here in this, you know, as I quoted Hebrews thirteen two, it says, "Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers." You now, that could be strangers in the body of Christ. You know, as people come from other places, you know, they're on vacation, they come into your church and you know, they visit for a while. Um, it's it's a real gift to them if you just say, "Hey, look, don't worry about going to lunch. Just come over to my house. You know, I've got something ready." So, I want to commend. I think the you know, the Bible commends Martha on this. So that's, that's her commendation. <laughs> but also there's corrections for Martha. There's corrections for Martha in verse 40 to 42. <clears throat> but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Now this is the downside of hospitality sometimes, where hospitality takes a life of its own and it becomes the main thing instead of the people that are with you. I'm sure at some point you've shown hospitality and you have felt it in your own heart that you're more concerned about the details of what you're gonna do for these people rather than the people themselves. And it, it really is a sad state of affairs. You know, or you've been with somebody. You've been asked over to somebody's house. You think, oh, that's so great. That's wonderful. And they barely spend time with you because they're doing all, these, doing all this serving. And so there's this downside where this seems obvious. This is what happened to Martha. She was distracted. She, uh, the simple definition, to have one's attention directed from one thing to another, become or be distracted, quite busy, overburdened. She just invited Jesus into her house. <laughs> she had a, a personal time with Jesus that she could have just sat there and listened to him. The lord of Lord, king of king and lord of lords. But she was fixated on these other things. It's very sad. It's interesting, another word that's um, closely uh, associated with distracted or the definition means to be pulled away from a reference point. Hold away from a reference point. Well, who's the reference point? It's Jesus. And he is there speaking glorious words in perfect consonance with the Father. And Martha's missing all this stuff. She's missing it. And um, so it's, it's very sad. It's so subtle. It's so subtle. Sometimes we can get into the, you know, was it, they say the devil's in the details. I don't want to get into any theological conversation, but my point is that we can we can get obsessed about things that really don't matter, and and thereby we miss some good opportunity, as Martha did, or we really are offending our company because it seems like we're more we're more impressed with hey, you know look look what I did I made this really special meal for you and it's like well that's great but I like to talk to you I like to have some time with you I like to have some fellowship with you, so. It's, it's just something that always comes up and we have to be aware of. So Martha appeals to Jesus, and uh, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, what a, what a wonderful, kind, affectionate introduction. I tried to think about how many times has Jesus in the New Testament repeated a word. The one that stands out to me the most is when he speaks of Jerusalem. I have it right here. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. Jesus lamenting over Jerusalem. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were unwilling. They were unwilling to heed his correction, and listen to them. And it says, kills the prophets and stones them. You know, what a sad commentary on Jerusalem is they had the word of God coming to correct them for their good, for their eternal glory, their eternal well-being. And they didn't receive it. And they stoned the prophets. Well, the the writer to the Hebrews says, long ago, in many times, many ways, God spoke to his people through the prophets. But now he's spoken to them in his son. And this is the privilege that Mary and Martha have right here. They they get to hear the son every word perfect, <laughs> Jesus' words, every word in perfect consonance with the Father. And, and, and what a sad, you know, that she was missing this. But Jesus is so kind, he's so tender, Martha, Martha, you know, his love for him, for her. You know, we know from John 11, you now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And this was his displaying his love and affection to, to correct her, this kind correction as to where she was going with all this. So um, he says, you're you're anxious, you're anxious and troubled. Anxious and troubled. None of us likes to be anxious and troubled. Anxious to to, to be apprehensive, to be unduly concerned. See this serving has has taken on a life of its own and supplanted Christ or troubled. You know that she's she 's distracted, so there's this unstable condition she 's in when she is in the midst of the prince of peace <laughs> and she 's missing what he 's saying and so it's it's interesting that God, the Lord is so kind to correct to correct her because preparation and serving can be a taskmaster sometimes, like I said, it can take a life of its own and it's not unusual, and so we always have to be careful about that and and, you know, in this instance, she had the opportunity to listen to the Lord himself. But we have this opportunity in the Lord's day to hear from God's word. Or as we take up, our, take up the word in private devotions or quiet times, we have this opportunity. And yet how often in our minds we're distracted. We're almost talking at the same time as we're trying to read the scriptures. And I think it's just helpful for us to be aware of that, that it... That that can go on. There's a temptation to do those things. I, since I retired in 2017, I've kind of made it my life goal to do, to read through the scriptures every year. Not every day is the same, but I try not to be as distracted as much as possible. I know there's certain things that will get me off course, but I want to give the the Word of God a good hearing. And and that's that's pleasing to the Lord to try to be free from distraction as much as possible when we come here on the Lord's Day, that our minds are not filled about, you know, the lunch we're gonna have later, things of that nature, there'll be a place for that. But rather that we're, we wanna give all the aspects of worship our, our full attention as much as possible. Because it's in those things that God displays Christ to us. You know, and so it's, it's so important for us to have that. So, those are the corrections that uh, Martha receives, and. And all this leads to the last point. So we've had the, the commendations for Martha, the corrections for Martha, and now the commendations for Mary in verse 42. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. One thing is necessary. That which should happen, or be supplied because it is needed, which should be, that, of all the things in the world that we need to know. We need to hear the word of God. We need to hear him speaking to us. This is the one thing that's necessary. And Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet as a student, listening to his words intently. In the whole of scripture, I think there's three or four or five passages that include Mary and Martha and or Lazarus. And in the whole of scripture, Mary says one sentence. She seems very careful to listen and, and, and to heed what she sees or hears from Jesus. That one sentence is in John 11, when she says, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But that's an amazing thing. You know, it's so hard to not talk. It's easy for me to talk for the Lord. It's hard for me to hold my tongue for the Lord. To have a seasonal word. It's very difficult. It's almost like inside's boiling up. I want to say it because I want to I want to get the, the good joke in that people, you know, are impressed with my my, my jokes or I wanna you know a timely word is good. But there's a time to to be quiet and to listen. And to sit at the feet of Jesus is the ultimate time. Now we don't have the bodily presence of Jesus, but he's given us his word, he's given us our, his spirit, so that we're in the word that we can ask the Spirit to help us. To hear, as I think it was Cliff or Tom said, to hear the voice, it was Tom, to hear the voice of Jesus speaking through the word. So there's one thing that's necessary. It's a good thing. It means pertaining to meeting a high standard of worth, merit, or good. But it also means of, of things characterized, especially in terms of social significance and worth. This is a society of God's people. And one of the best things we can do as God's people is to listen to his word and to heed his word. The best thing that you can do for me, <laughs> as an individual, is to listen to God's word and obey it. Because then you are a living testimony to me of what I should think about and what I should do. And we all have that responsibility. In a sense, everybody has that responsibility in the, in the body of Christ to, to listen to Christ and to obey Christ. And it spreads, it spreads. Some of the greatest convictions that I've ever had in life are people who are consistent with what the scripture says. You know, they might, might have what people would say, you know, a personality of pizzazz, but they just keep doing the right thing at the right time, as Christ would have us to do. And this is what Jesus is saying. This is Jesus' evaluation of what Mary is doing. She's sitting at his feet, all this busy stuff's going on, and he's not, he's like... She's chosen the good part. This is the best thing you can do. I'm not going to take it from her. This is what. This is great. This is wonderful. And you know, it's it's interesting as you look through the passages where Mary and Martha are associated. They're pretty dramatic passages. You know, we get to John 11, and uh, Jesus raises their brother Lazarus. You know, this incredible miracle where Mary only says one sentence the whole time that that passage. But then in chapter 12, we find Mary coming and anointing Jesus' feet with a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard. Now, if you you read the the Gospels, you see that the, the, the apostles didn't really get it well as time went on. Jesus had to keep saying the same things over and over again. I understand that. I do, too. But it's interesting that Mary, because she's listening to Jesus and contemplating what he's saying, seems to get more than the apostles do. And so what does she do? She anoints Jesus with his expensive ointment, I believe the parallels in Mark 14, and it's 300 denarii, I believe. Okay? I did the math. At $10 an hour, eight hours a day with no vacations. <laughs> For 300 workdays. that's $24,000. If it goes to $20 an hour, it goes to $48,000. Now, I've bought my wife some nice things, <laughs> but nothing to that extent. That Mary had some sense of who Jesus was and what he would do, and she takes this extravagant substance and anoints him with it. And in Mark 14, she, he commends her, and as well as in, this, in the John passage, he commends her. But see, how does she get that? <laughs> she was listening to Jesus. She was listening to Jesus. She listened to what he was saying. She saw what he did. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. You can't have a resurrection without a death. But that's not the end of the story because there's the, the resurrection, and she, I think she got it, and so she she spends this incredible amount of money. You know, we, there's another Advent hymn, "Thou who was rich beyond all measure." You know, we're just we're just scratching the surface at twenty-four to forty-eight thousand dollars in her extravagant love for Jesus. But she saw she knew who Jesus was. She saw what Jesus did in raising her brother. Because she was listening to Jesus. She wasn't talking when Jesus was talking. I don't know how many of you have been teachers, but one of the hardest, I was a teacher for 30 years at least, one of the hardest things is you, you say something, and, you know, you, good lesson, got it all out there, and then you have a student raise their hand, and they ask you a question of something you just said. But you saw them out of the corner of your eye, it's like, you were talking when I was talking. <laughs> That's why you didn't get it. But it's so hard even as we get quiet, you know, sometimes we still have things going on in our minds. I, I cannot go to a grocery store at night and, without coming home and having the song that was last playing in the grocery store going through my head. And it, is, it is a constant prayer that I ask the Lord, please, Lord, please make it go away. So I can focus, either go to sleep or focus on the word. But that's just a reality that goes on, you know, and, and particularly at our time in history. We have so many voices speaking to us. You know, when you go into a store, you hear different types of music with different messages, many from the evil one. There's so many cable channels. There's so much social media. And yet there's one voice we need to hear. And it's so hard to, 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 to get rid of all the extra excess that we don't need. And yet Mary did this, and she benefited, she was blessed. And that's true for anyone who will spend time in God's word, you know, Jesus says, you search the scriptures and they speak of me. All of scripture points to Christ in some way. So that whenever we come to the word, if we're listening carefully, there's something that's gonna lead us to Christ. But it's not an easy, it's not that easy. It's not that easy. You know, in in Matthew 13, 22, uh, Jesus has the parable of the sower. Uh, 13, 7. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. They choked them. Then Jesus explains it in verse 22. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. Now, I affirm that once you're a believer, you're always a believer, but there's always that fight to to be able to uh, examine our hearts to see what's going on there. Are the cares of the world choking us? You know, maybe today you feel heavy laden. Jesus says, cast your cares on me, because he cares for you. You know, as his people. We have better things to think about. I see many people on social media and, you know, whether it's governmental or health or whatever, it's like why, why are you imbibing all these things to make you anxious? When I was working, uh, sometimes I would leave work and I would turn on that wonderful uh, news station that we have in the DC area, you know, traffic and weather on the 8s. It's a great resource if there's a storm or you want to know about traffic. But I would listen to it like you would listen to, it's a conversation, and every 15 minutes, don't forget today, you know, this drastic thing. It's like, and I, was, I was always anxious, so I just killed it, <laughs> except for snowstorms and traffic problems. And I noticed, wow, life's not that anxious. I'd have to be that anxious. But also what I found is over the last, you know, since I retired in 17, as I've read the word, and I've seen COVID and social uh, you know, social issues going on and people are just, it's like, the Lord's in control. The Lord's in control. The Lord won't leave me or forsake me. You know, if we had a pie chart. I think often, mo- most, much of our life is filled you know, 90% is filled with just anxiety. Nothing that we can do anything about. You know, we can pray, that's always right and good. You know, but we can't do anything, you know, it's just, it's just wasted time of being anxious rather than doing the next thing we have in our, our calling. You know? We're supposed to mind our own business, which is another hard thing to do. But my point is, is that we need to be aware that that's always in play. And start to begin to think of ways to, to shrink it. That's an application. How can we kind of, kind of eradicate the things that really, it's not worth our time as the people of God. You know, how can we get a more concentrated time with the word? Again, when I was working, I, I'd only had time to take a few verses with me on the road. I think I shared this before. It was like popping something in my mouth and sucking on it all day. You know, the blessing of that one verse or a passage. You know, but once you retire, you get a little more time sometimes. You know, it's, it's, it's not, uh, let's shoot for the moon. And You know, there's a, there's a wisdom call here to say, what can I do? How can I improve how much time I'm in the work? Because that's gonna affect your life in Christ. As I said, it speaks of Christ. So it's worth just thinking about, what is it that chokes the word out for you? Or maybe even riches. You know, people, um, in in order just to think, "I I gotta make more money, and there's a place for that. It's always a wisdom call. But even there, who are you looking for to provide that? Is it the Lord to provide the job, to provide the finances? You know, Everybody knows, I think, that I, I've come from the Bowie church and Mike Coleman was our pastor. I heard Mike for 30 or 35 years. And one thing he he said that was really really helpful is most of the things we worry about never happen. <laughs> Isn't that a waste? A waste of mental time, of productive time. It never happens. And I have found that to be so true. But see, the word of God tells us what to think about. Don't be anxious for tomorrow. Oh, you're, you're adding weights that you're not to bear yet. The Lord is so kind. He knows you know, where we shouldn't go. He, he, you know, he gives us grace for today and bright hope for tomorrow. You know, I've had some health issues over the years, and I don't, you know, I don't know how many years the Lord will give me. I don't think it's going to be 101 like my mother-in-law celebrated earlier this week, but it's like, Steve, let's live today with me. If I give you tomorrow, if I give you tomorrow, we'll take it from there. Okay? And it has been such a, a relief of anxiety, such an establishment of joy and confidence and peace, that God will be with us today. Wherever we are today, wherever you find yourself, he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So the, another application in light of the fact you're gonna have is it Burge, I think I said it right, your new pastor. Your, your new pastor is, in a sense, is a pipeline of the word of God to you. And I, I think Satan is strategic. And in a sense, uh, you know, like all leaders, but particularly Burge, because he will be bringing God's word to you, he will be attacked. The evil one will attack him with guilt, or distractions, uh, and it will take his time away from the primary calling, or one of the primary callings he has is to bring the word of God to you. So pray for him, (laughs) or whoever else comes, or whoever teaches you, pray for them that they could focus on what they're doing. So that Christ reformed, praise the Lord, would be even more saturated with the word of God the word of God, which is the word of Christ that leads to Christ, that leads to Christ. I want to, I want to read the words of a hymn. Um, one of my favorite hymns is Blessed Jesus at Your Word. And uh, I have, it's a very simple hymn, but I want to close with this and I'll pray. Blessed Jesus at Your Word. Blessed Jesus at Your Word, we are gathered all to hear you. Let our hearts and souls be stirred, now to seek and love and fear you. By your teachings, sweet and holy, draw draw from earth to love you solely. All our knowledge, sense and sight, lie in deepest darkness shrouded. Till your spirit breaks our light with the beams of truth unclouded. You alone to God can win us. You must work all good within us. Glorious Lord, yourself in part, light of light from God proceeding. Open now our ears and heart. Help us by your spirit's pleading. Hear the cry your people raises. Hear and bless our prayers and praises. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, praise to you in adoration. Grant that we your word may trust and obtain true consolation. While we here below must wander, but not forever, till we sing your praises yonder. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, uh, you have granted us many, many riches as your people. You have granted us your Son, Jesus Christ, our elder brother, who would take on our sin and live a perfect life. You have granted us the Holy Spirit, who unites us to him, so that we are in union with Christ as your people. And you've also given us your word, the word over centuries that, uh, from Genesis 3.15 on, had promised this great, long-expected Jesus. Father, we ask that during this time, where it can be very, very busy, it can be very busy, um, I ask that you would have mercy on us, that we would have time to be in your word, that we might hear your son's voice, whatever means of grace you grant us, that this season might be an amazing season for us, maybe the most amazing ever, where we're not distracted, but rather focused, focused on Christ. And Father, we pray for those interactions that we will have with loved ones who either seem far away from Christ or or actually enemies. We ask that you would have mercy and grant them new eyes to see and new ears to hear and a heart of flesh, that they might Know Christ for the first time or return from where they've strayed.